on set for three three years last year doing a movie, and I was the only black face there. So when I get get to Atlanta, I feel like I'm home. So looking at these kids and their and their hope and their and looking at me going, I can do it too. Mm-hmm. That inspires me every day. Yes, indeed. Welcome to Expeditiously. This is your host, Tip T.I. Harris. Now, here what we do is we have discussions that push the culture, the community, and the generation forward. And we have those discussions with people, well, quite frankly, who are relevant to the discussion. My guest for today has an inspirational journey like no other, from the hard streets of New Orleans to the heights of Hollywood's A-list in the stuff uh, uh, that American legend is made of, all right? Born into poverty and raised in a household scarred by abuse. He fought from a young age to find strength, faith, and perseverance that would later form the foundations of his much-acclaimed, highly anticipated, extremely lucrative plays, films, books, and shows, all right? Now, this brother would, would, would become such an icon in our culture and has been such a beacon in our community that I truly could never say enough to describe his impact. Now... Quite some time ago, uh, you probably saw pictures, videos, or even heard uh, whispers of the, the 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 culmination of black excellence that uh, came to Atlanta to celebrate the the, the opening uh, of his of his film studio that is that that makes everything else pale into comparison. If there's any way we could give a standing ovation through audio, I think we would be remiss not to. Please, everybody, welcome. Mr. Tyler Perry. What's up, man? What's, What's going up, on, bro? Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Man, thank you for coming. Yo, come on. Come on. You know it. Atlanta had to be here. You dig what I'm saying? First yeah. of all, man, thank you for everything that you've done for the culture and the city. Thank you, man. I you know what I mean? Uh, and same to you. Same to you. Well, thank you, man. Yeah. I, I think a lot of people have heard about um, your your uh, acquisition and, and the establishing of your film studio, Tyler Perry Studios in Atlanta. But I don't think they understand the real relevance. Can you please tell us what it was be- before it became Tyler Perry Studios? Well, yeah, at one point it was a Confederate Army base where, you know, there were soldiers and generals and, and captains and everybody plotting and planning on how to keep the black people enslaved. So yeah. that very land, that same land today, you know, thousands of cars are coming in to work every day. I, I right. have personally have 600 uh, employees that are working there on the, on my side of the studio that are, are mostly black and brown people. And Absolutely. this land that they tried to make a terrible thing is nurturing us. Man. Right. I love it. And it's at the heart of our community, which makes me so happy and excited because it gives, a, gives an opportunity for kids to see that I did it and they can do it too. So, yeah, man, especially absolutely. our kids. Yeah. I think absolutely. And thank you for the invitation. And, you know, that I, I can't really describe how important it was to have all the people in that room yeah. at one time. Yeah. I don't think it's ever been done. Before. It was a crazy moment, man. It was a crazy moment. You know how this podcast could be better? How? Te- tequila, man. You, you know what? Listen, man. That's what we usually do. Gotta have tequila on the table. Where's the tequila? Bring Tyler the libations. Uh, come on, man. Then we gonna win. Okay, we got to see now. I was trying to get my corporate on. Corporate my ass, man. Come on. Where's the tequila? Come on. Let's go with it. Let's go with it. So uh, now what we do is have a conversation, man, that young men, women, uh, uh, and entrepreneurs can can use to move themselves forward in their journey. Could you please tell me how you came up with your business model? Your business model. So I went looking into into trying to figure out how do you own a show? What does that mean? And ownership was key for me. Because when I was a kid, man, my father uh, worked 
for this. He built built houses for this white man that he loved, right? This white okay. man down the street built these houses for. And um, he, come on in here. Uh, oh, that's yeah, good on, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Introduce. There you go. There you go. Introduce Tyler to Tequila, man. <laughs> no, no. I know. I know 1942 well. Hey, you know what okay. I'm saying? All right. All right. There you I, are, I was son. I was about to get deep. You t- no, I'm, no, I'm man, good. I'm on, good on. I'm good on the action. Nah, we're gonna take knee. We're gonna take yeah. knee today. Yeah. So you gotta get some glasses in here, man. Man, now, nah, man, you know we don't want people to get too comfortable. Yeah. You know. <laughs> All right, no, no. You know Come on, sit down. Let's get on up out of here. Cheers. Cheers, cheers, man. cheers. To, to making success. it. To making it. Yeah. You know. Here's the thing. My um, my um, father worked building houses for this white man. You know what I'm saying? And he would come home so happy because he had made. Money that I, and he had to pay his employees out of because he had other subs out there. Right. And I always watched a man who built the house and owned it sell it for eighty thousand mm. dollars. So he got eighty. My father got eight hundred. He mm. thought it was a wonderful thing. And I even remember being a kid trying to talk my mother and my father into um, actually owning and buying the house and selling it. But you know they came from the Jim Crow South. That kind of right. reality wasn't for them. They didn't get it. Right. So ownership was the key, man. Ownership. That's the thing that made me. That has changed. Everything in my life. I own every play, every movie, uh, every character, mm. every TV show. It's all owned by me. And that is what has set the difference of me being able to say, I'm going to set a path where I can open the door for everybody else. Absolutely. Or waiting for somebody to give me a job. Man, that, that, that you touch on a key point when you say ownership. And you come from absolutely nothing. Yeah. You right. come from the bottom. And yeah. it's a lot of people listening who also would love to come from the bottom and, and put their dreams into, into effect to to yield the kind of results that you have. Uh, how do you start? Like ownership, because usually we defer our ownership to someone for startup costs. Yeah. So how do you start? For me, I wasn't going to do that. I, mm. I um, worked, went to H&R Black, Black H&R Block did my taxes, saved my tax money, invested in my first play, put mm. it up. It didn't work out. I um, went on tour for, every time I do the show, but there was always somebody who wanted to uh, audition. Uh, I'm a, who, wait, damn, it's tequila. <laughs> hold, hold on, I'm gonna have to hold, something else in this 1942. I'm gonna have to slow down a minute. Wait a minute. Let me concentrate for a second. Give me some water. Y'all bring me some water. <laughs> so, so you said I said audition. No, no. What I said. So I have my. <laughs> All right. So I had my um, my tax money and I put it into my first play. And outside of that, there was somebody who. You know, only 30 people showed up, and there was somebody who wanted to invest in it. And that person did one play, that didn't work out. Then another person came along, they wanted to invest. You know how these shady promoters Yeah, absolutely. So, absolutely. They, so for years, we were doing that, but but I wouldn't give up any control. Even right. when I got to Hollywood, I had been successful with plays. By that time, I had made $75 million doing live shows. I got Ooh. to Hollywood, nobody knew who I was. Right. But I, 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 I cultivated us. Mm. I worked with us, right. you know. I nurtured us as an audience. They took care of me. I took care of them. I gave them the best I had. They gave me the best that they could. So right. it's like we always get our degree or something that we run from the culture. That's right. We don't want to live around us. We don't want to work around us. That's right. Our culture is rich, man. And every other race comes in and rapes and mines everything we have, take it out, but they don't leave anything for us. They so don't cultivate. We, exactly right. So when we can take our own culture and and have it be – here's what I'll say about that. Like um, – Segregation was a horrible thing. Right. Horrible thing. Yeah. When it ended, a lot of black businesses ended. Okay. Because under black business businesses did so much better under segregation because we were forced to buy from each other. That's right. When that ended, we 
just went in all different directions and we're buying from everybody but us. Hence the uh, uh, the sentiment behind uh, the late, great uh, uh, Martin Luther King, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s statement, I believe I've integrated my people into a burning building. Mm. Uh, that was one of his yeah. last quotes before his assassination. Mm. Uh, I believe that he saw that the very inclusion or integration that he was fighting for turned around to bite the community in the ass just like you suggested yeah but it's a listen it's a beautiful thing i love that i can go anywhere my, sure. my son can go to any school i, I love that sure. but but uh, what i'm hoping that we remembered inside of it that we can go anywhere else why not go back to us mm. now that lays some burden at our feet too to be completely honest we got to step up our game that's right and professionalism and and how we honor the customers and how we honor the people that are holding us up so that is what is important and once we can do that and, and get our own people to realize because I, I know listen i know black people that say i ain't going over there to deal with that yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but i ain't buying nothing from you got security issues yeah. you got customer service issues exactly right so you know you got manufactured distribution time, day, exactly. time. A- absolutely you, you suppose open at night you're not there at 11 30 because you <laughs> feel like getting up i mean come on so so once we learn to really um be professional and a forthright and just downright organized with everything, mm-hmm. I think that a lot of us will start to support us. And that's what happened with me, man. My right. audience is die hard, Lord. Man, I'm talking about, like, I mean, and they have been ever yeah. since you were doing live shows. Yeah. What made you go into, like, plays? What indication did you have that stage plays were, why not straight to movies? I, I never felt like anybody would take me seriously in the movies. I didn't know enough about it. I need to learn. Okay. And uh, I, I've, I've been going to plays for years. I didn't have the money to go uh, to Sanger Theater down in New Orleans. I didn't have the money to actually go to the entire show. So mm-hmm. I was tipping in an intermission when everybody come out to smoke. Right. I, sneak, <laughs> I sneak in and see the rest of the play. And I go, wow, damn it. Man, I can do better than this. You know, back in the day, they had the Mama, 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 Mama. Mama I want to sing. No, no, that was a good one. I'm talking yeah. about Mama on the couch with Mama's cousin next door neighbor chillings play you know yeah. i wanted to, to elevate it i didn't want to elevate it so much that, that it left us and became something that we don't watch like broadway a lot of, a lot of my audience is not you can't relate it doesn't can't represent relate. us right. but i wanted to elevate it from where it was you know there were two pieces of plywood and a sofa on the on the stage and that was the set you know mm-hmm. and the sound system seemed like you got, they got it from grandma's house <laughs> so i had to upgrade that and when i did that man there was a lot of appreciation for it and they were right there with me man i can remember hearing about you know tyler perry plays before i knew who like I, I think we kind of dude, you were two. Man, now, nah, man. I mean, what, 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 you you started like what 96? 92, 93. 92, okay, I'm twelve and thirteen. Yeah, oh, I didn't wow. hear about it maybe till like ninety seven, yeah. ninety eight. Yeah. You probably had your wheels rolling good rolling by it. then. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but I, I I I would hear about it, and I would just see like you know right going about my evening riding past say the Fox or the Civic Center lines wrapped around the corner you know what I mean and I I always wonder how could it get to this point without me having some familiarity with it like what were the underground behind the scenes moves that you made to create like relevance for church church man and black women okay man black women uh, like like maids right now maids hadn't done an album since 1911 Right on. <laughs> but, but but they can they can sell out a building or an arena right now because that loyalty yeah. and these these women that I went to church with that I grew up with you know I was I was speaking a language that they understood because of my mother and my sisters growing mm-hmm. up their hip watching their pain and all the hell, hell that they went through mm. so that they endeared to me man I was cousin uncle brother you know yeah. and and they have been my sole support the whole time and you've been speaking for them like you know uh, through 
characters and through the the the, the arcs of your characters, the yeah. stories that you're telling speak to the plight of black women specifically. Uh, but if I may ask, how did you come up with the idea for Medea? I, I was watching Eddie Murphy do the clumps. Okay. And I thought, wow, let me try my hand at, at a female character. Ooh. And uh, um, and I had just done my old man character in my first play, and it dealt really well. Okay. So I said, okay, I'm going to try a female character. I was only going to do it one show in Chicago, the Regal Theater, 79th Stony Island. I was scared to death the first time I do it. I, I didn't rehearse with the costume. I never put the costume on. Right. It was me, Brown, and Cora. We all on stage. They're like, you're not going to put the costume on? I'm like, no. The day of the show I put it on, man, I was so crazy uncomfortable. But, um, but the audience loved it. Yeah. It went, I was just like, really? You just kind of channeled, was it, is it your mom, your that, grandma? That's, that's totally my, I got an aunt in Texas named Mayola Ciparan. That's a real name. Mayola Ciparan. Mayola Ciparan. Mayola Ciparan. Mayola Ciparan. And she talked like that, and she wear that wig, it's always crooked, and she always smoking. <laughs> and that, that's her, man. That's her. Funny, funny as can be. Now, now uh, at, at your meteoric rise, man, to success, uh, has not come without some level of criticism. Some? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you being polite. <laughs> I mean, man, you know, we brothers here, man. You know what yeah. I'm saying? But, I mean, but you have people like, you know, say Dave Chappelle uh, being one, and, you know, just other people in Hollywood and in, in, in the industry that say it is much easier, especially for a black man, to become successful when he chooses to put on a dress. How would you address that? I... Listen, Chappelle is one of the most brilliant people I've ever seen in my life, man. And right just, on. Just, not just in comedy, but the man is smart, a heavy, right brilliant on. thinker. So if that is the case in Hollywood, then okay, that's the case. But you got to understand, that's not my case, right? Uh, I didn't, I didn't, I, nobody owned that dress right? but me. That's right. Nobody told me, a $2 billion franchise. Uh, nobody told me to put it on. That's right. Nobody makes me put it on. Okay. No, nope, that was all on stage. Black man owned the whole show. Right. It was my choice, right? So when I got to Hollywood and, and wanted to do uh, Diary of a Mad Black Woman, um, it was my choice. That's right. And 19 movies since then has been my choice. So, <laughs> so I don't, I don't. Maybe that's the, maybe that's the way it's been for some other men who have had done that. But for me, let me tell you how I look at this, man. I'm not a man that enjoys wearing a dress. I, for me, as an actor, mm -hmm. it's a costume. That's right. It's like if somebody goes to Walmart to work, they put on their uniform. For me, that's putting on a uniform, going out, making people laugh, okay. lifting them up, encouraging them, and and the the good that it does for so many people. My favorite moment in the show, and I just finished the last show in uh, Augusta. Medea's still alive. Yeah, she is, she is alive. <laughs> but my favorite moment is the last 30 minutes of every play. That's when I'm sitting there. That's the only time I don't feel foolish or ridiculous because uh -huh. I get to sit on stage in front of thousands of people in arenas now. Man. Plays in arenas. Yes. And ladies and gentlemen, that, that was Tyler Perry.